You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. It's good to see you guys. How many of you guys are ready for Christmas? If it happened tomorrow, you're okay because I'm ready. Okay, three of you. Oh, four. Okay, more of you. All ladies. The guys are like, when is it exactly? I, I've got like three days left and I've, I've got plenty of time. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to start off our time today with a Christmas quiz. Now, I know school is out and all, but bear with me. Um, are you down for a little, little, little quiz real quick? You ready to play right now? You guys awake? This is 1130. You guys are awake. All right. So here we go. Let's, let's take a look at number one. Number one on the screen, what does the Bible say that the innkeeper said to Mary and Joseph? A, there is no room in the inn. B, I have a stable you can use. C, come back later and I should have some vacancies. Or D, A and B. Or E, none of the above. How many of you would say A? Raise your hand. A? Any A's? Okay. B's? C's? Any D's? Okay, lots of D's. How many E's? A few E's. Congratulations, E's. You guys win. Because there is no innkeeper. <laughs> Applause yourself. There you go. <clears throat> Way to go. There is no innkeeper in the scripture um, mentioning anything to anybody. So that's interesting. Okay, number two. Number two, which animals does the Bible say were present at Jesus' birth? So cow, sheep, goats, cows, donkeys, goats, sheep and goats only, miscellaneous barnyard animals, or none of the above. How many of you would say A? How many of you would say B, C, D? How many of you are scared to answer anything right now? <laughs> Who would say E? All right, E, you guys win again. There are actually no mentions in the Bible about any animals being president, uh, present at the time of, or being president for that matter, at the time Jesus is uh, was born. So number three, how many wise men came to see Jesus? This one's easy, all right? Three, six, nine, 12, or we don't know. How many would say A, three? All right. B, C, D. How many would say E? You figured out this game. Yes, E wins again. We, in fact, don't know how many, aka wise men, uh, actually showed up to see Jesus. And in fact, they didn't even come to see Jesus the night of his birth. They came a few years later and saw him as a toddler. So here's my point by playing that game. Um, that game reveals some things within us and, and it shows us how important the Bible is because what it reveals is, is, is we've seen so many movies, we've seen so many TV shows, we've read so many books that sometimes we get confused fact and fiction and what's tradition and what's real. And so it's important to know what the Bible actually says about this event. And it's important for us to know um, what Christ actually came to do for us. Because in the same way that sometimes we get the Christmas story a little jumbled up, some of us might have the wrong impression or the wrong idea of what Jesus came to do for us. And so today I want us to have a moment of clarity having a moment of clarity of, of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Because if you have a moment of clarity, God reveals something to you. He makes the unclear clear. He makes muddied water clear again. He takes things that are out of focus and he puts them in focus. And that's what we need today. Some of you need to, to have a clear understanding about what Jesus actually came to do. And so I wanna, I wanna land there today 
And at the end of our time today, I'm going to lead some of you who are ready and who have this moment of clarity to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you walk in here today without him, and you're going to walk out of here with him because you're going to have a moment of clarity, see Jesus for who he is and what he's done. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to, to begin that relationship today. And then I'm going to invite you to, to kind of prove that decision by taking that next step of obedience and get baptized today. And so the water is extremely warm today. We've baptized a few people today. It's been amazing. And um, we've got all the clothes that you're going to need. We got towels. We got hair dryers if you're a hair dryer person. And uh, we got everything you need. And so we're going to, at the end of our time today, give you that opportunity to do that. God is going to change some of you uh, completely from the inside out today. Some of you who have you're already a believer, but you've never been baptized. And so the, the, the opportunity for you is here as well. Like what better time of year to begin a relationship with Jesus or to take that next step of faith in your relationship with Christ by taking that step of baptism. And so that's what we're going to do as we conclude today. And, and I want us to focus in on what did Jesus actually come to do. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read the very familiar Christmas story and see exactly what the New Testament teaches us Jesus came to do. Here we go. Verse 1 of chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. Why? Because they weren't married yet. Um, so remember that, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Now, usually we see the movie or the story or the, or the Christmas pageant that has Mary traveling for, you know, all of these days, and, and then she gives birth that night. The Bible actually doesn't say that she gave birth the night that they got to Bethlehem. The Bible says that she gave birth to her firstborn, um, and, and it says in verse 6, while they were there, the time came. So the time came, maybe that night, maybe the next day, maybe a week later. Uh, we don't know. But she gave birth to Jesus, verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. No mention of the innkeeper. There are a lot of things that we don't know for sure. We don't know if Mary rode a donkey to Bethlehem that night. All right, sorry to spoil that for you, but we don't know if she did. Maybe she did. We don't know. We don't know if Joseph had a conversation with the innkeeper. We don't, we, he might have, but we don't, we don't know what that looked like and, and how that all played out. We don't know if there were any angels there when Jesus was born by, with Mary and Joseph. We know they appeared at the shepherds, but we don't know uh, uh, what was taking place at that point. We don't know um, if Jesus was born in a wooden stable, if he was born in a cave, or if he was born out in the open or at a family member's house. The Bible doesn't say, so we don't really know. Um, the Bible says that he was laid in a manger, and so uh, a manger is actually a, a feeding trough for animals, right? And so we, we know that maybe if he was, you know, around a feeding trough, maybe he was in a stable, and so that kind of makes sense, right? And so um, the, the, the feeding trough wouldn't have been made out of wood in Israel. There's 
there's not a lot of wood there, and so most of the time they were using limestone to do anything. And so um, most people believe that uh, this limestone would have just been ground out to make a, a, a bowl, you know, for the animals uh, to drink out of and to eat from. And so most likely that's what Jesus was, was laid into. And so a lot of things we don't know. We don't know what day Jesus was actually born. The 25th was decided by the Roman Catholic Church many years ago. And the reason why they picked the 25th is because, hey, the days start getting longer. um, And there was a pagan holiday celebrated on the 25th. So let's replace the bad holiday with a good holiday. Let's remember the birth of Christ. And we'll have Mass on Christmas. We'll have Christ's, apostrophe yes, Mass. And so the Catholic Church would celebrate the birth of Christ by having Mass. That's their Lord's Supper, and that's their, their, the, the service that they would have to celebrate that. No gifts, no trees, no Santa Claus, none of that stuff when it, uh, when it first was created. And so the Christ Mass became Christmas for us. Um, and so, you know, the Bible doesn't say so many things about so many different things that we as a church might recognize. And so it's important to, to know fact from fiction and so there's so many things we don't know, but there are so many great things that we do know. So a few things that we do know is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Very clearly it says that. Now that's important. Bethlehem means the house of bread. Later Jesus would call himself the bread of life. Um, that was an important city because uh, King David was from Bethlehem. He was anointed king there in Bethlehem. And the Old Testament uh, said that Jesus, in, in the book of Micah particularly, that Jesus, this Messiah, would have to come and would come from the town, little town of Bethlehem. It is a little town, by the way. Uh, that's one thing they got right. And so, um, so he was born in Bethlehem. This is big because the Messiah had to be born there. Now, we, we know that. We know he was laid in a manger, and we, we kind of get an idea of, of, of what that manger might be, maybe. And, you know, when we think about Israel and, and, and the rock and kind of how that would look and, and why that was important. And, and um, you know, we don't really know where he was born. Um, but in Bethlehem, there are so many caves and hills there that um, a lot of people believe that that's where they would have allowed their livestock to go into, and, and that's where they would be protected, and that's where they would be kept. And so uh, they, they believe that's probably, most likely, where Jesus was actually born. And so, which one, we don't know, but many, many years ago, Constantine's mother uh, put, went on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and she thought that she found the place based on tradition and geography, and it was right outside the city, and she thought, man, we think this is the place. And so they built a church on top of this cave. And so it's called the Church of the Nativity. And we went and, and visited that last, uh, this year when we went to Israel. And it's incredible. One of the greatest things about this um, church is that, oh, there it is. <laughs> the, one of the greatest things about this church is that it had a door that was extremely tiny. And this door is called the Door of Humility. And so what's interesting about this is is that everyone that enters the church has to enter the same way. Go to that next slide and you can kind of see uh, the image of this, that guy kind of standing there and, and, and kind of see how little it is. So you literally have to bow. I think that guy is Cousin Eddie smoking a cigarette. I wanted him to get out of the way, but he wouldn't. Um, but you kind of see that um, to enter the building, you actually have to lower your head and, and move forward. And, and so our guide said, I've seen the president of the U.S., I've seen kings from other countries, I've seen rich, I've seen poor, enter this church the same way, through the door of humility, symbolizing that before Christ, before God, we are on equal playing ground. No matter where you're from, no matter who you are, before Jesus, you must humble yourself 
And, and, and to me, that was just had, had a big impact because the reality is some of you here today do not have a relationship with God. And for some of you, when you receive him today, you're going to have to walk through the door of humility in a sense, you know. The, the, the sense is that we have to realize and recognize that there is nothing that we can do to gain peace with God, to gain our own salvation, to earn heaven there's not a certain amount of money we can give. We can't live a good life. The Bible says there's no way we can live a good enough life to receive that peace from God, to receive heaven. There's nothing that we can do on our own. And so in humility, we have to, we have to bow down before God and say, God, I can't do it on my own. And I trust you for salvation. I believe what Jesus has done on the cross paid for my sins. And it's through him that I have peace with God and I have a home in heaven and so the door of humility, we don't know a lot, but we know he was born in Bethlehem. We know he's laid in a manger. We know that he was born from a virgin. The Holy Spirit uh, conceived Jesus, making him uh, fully God, yet he's fully man. Uh, John chapter 1 says that Jesus existed before the foundations of the earth. And so it's not like Jesus was created at this moment in time. He, was, he, was, he, he, he has eternally existed forever. We know that he's fully man. We know that he's fully God. We also know that he came to earth for a purpose. There was a reason, not just to hang out with us, but he came here for a very specific purpose and reason. And that reason was to die on the cross for our sins, paying for our own salvation. And by faith in him, through his resurrection, we have forgiveness of our sins, we have peace with God, and we can have heaven as our home. And so I want to dive into what that looks like and what that means a little bit today. I'm going to give you at least two reasons why Jesus came. You came in here with an idea of what he came to do and what he did. I want to clarify that. Now, I'm praying that you have an even greater uh, moment of clarity today. And if you're a believer, I hope your moment of clarity would, would inspire you to, to look at Christmas in a different light and to worship God in a different light, a more closer way. So if you're taking notes, number one, Jesus came to die and to save he came to die and to save. Now, take your Bibles again and let's look at verses eight and following. We'll see a little bit more about this purpose. In verse eight, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. All people means everybody in this room. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? Let's do that again. A what? A savior. See, Jesus came to save us. He came to save us from our sins. He came to save us from this broken world. He came to save us from a life of emptiness, a life of no purpose, a life of, of no hope. Jesus came to save from the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Let's just pause right there. So here, here's the sign. They speak to these shepherds, right? You're gonna find this baby in a manger with swaddling clothes on, all right? So a lot of times shepherds are seen or viewed as the poorest of the poor, kind of the lowest on the totem pole. And, and in a lot of ways that, that is true. But, but a lot of people believe that these guys in particular in the town of Bethlehem, because it's six miles away from Jerusalem, that they weren't just raising sheep for sheep's sake. 
they were raising these sheep for the temple sacrifices. And so it was away from the city so that they could properly take care of all the needs of, of the requirements for these sheep. Because if you were a, a sheep uh, preparing for the temple sacrifice, there were so many rules and laws you had to follow. They had to have a special diet. They had to be spotless. They couldn't have a single blemish. And so they had so many laws and rules on how to raise these sheep. And so these in particular shepherds would have been respected. They wouldn't have been the lowest guys. They would have been guys that, uh, honestly, they, they would have been well looked upon. And so, so it's interesting that the the angels would come to these guys who are raising sheep for the temple sacrifice and tell them to go meet the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ. And the angels tell him, here's what you're going to find. You're gonna find a baby and he's gonna be lying in a manger. That's a good sign. You don't normally find babies lying in a feeding trough, right? I mean, that's just gross. I mean, think about going home today a lot of you guys have pets, so go home to your dog bowl after that dog eats lunch and look into that gross bowl, right? It's just disgusting. I mean, this is where Jesus was laid. And so the second sign is that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, I mean, that's not weird, is it? I mean, why is that a sign? Because when we have children, first thing we do is we clean them up, we get a blanket, and we wrap them up like a hot tamale, Right? like a little burrito, a little taco, you know? And so, so that's not unusual, but swaddling clothes were different. You see, at this time, when you went on a journey, you didn't catch a bus, you didn't, you didn't jump on the Greyhound or, you know, get on an airplane, you had to walk. And when you walked, sometimes it was, you know, two or three or four plus day, uh, days of your life as you travel. And so um, there was a law in the Jewish custom that uh, a person, once they died, had to be buried within 24 hours. So that was a very um, special, um, important, critical law. So if you were on a journey for a few days and you died, um, you weren't going to jump on an airplane and come home and get buried and cleaned up in your little burial plot. No, they had 24 hours. So they had to follow the ceremonial law and bury you and take care of you right then. And so they came up with a way to be able to combat this and to kind of deal with this. And that was with swaddling cloth wrap. So they would take this cloth, they would take this shroud-like material, and it would be the first thing that they would wrap themselves with. And then they would put their cloak on and, and whatever other garments, their prayer cloak and shawl um, that they would wear. And, and so as they would be on this journey, if anyone were to die or pass away, then, then they would use that swaddling wrap to actually wrap them from head to toe. In our culture, we put you in the best suit, right? We put makeup on you to make you look you know, better and, and then put you know, jewelry on them and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But in the Jewish culture, they don't do that. They don't want you to feel like, hey, you know, you don't, you're not wealthy enough to have nice clothes. And so, you know, you're, you, you know they wanted to equal the, the, the playing field. And so they do, <clears throat> they bury everybody the same way in this simple cloth wrap. And uh, you'll remember the, 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 the death of Jesus. That was the only thing that was left of, of his body in the tomb, right? Was this shroud, this, this um, um, wrap. And so here's the reality. So as Jesus is born, Joseph uses, Mary uses the death cloth of Joseph to wrap up Jesus. It was his swaddling wrap, his swaddling cloth. And so now it's like, oh, that makes sense. We're gonna, we're gonna see two really in particular signs here about this baby. He is in a manger and he's in death cloth. Now you think about it, 
Jesus, firstborn, he's wrapped in the, in the death cloth of a man named Joseph. And then 33 years later, he's buried in a tomb that is owned by a man named Joseph. God doesn't do things on accident. You're not here by accident. You're here for a reason, for a purpose. Some of you were invited by your family members and you thought you were just going to come hear a nice little Christmas story and, and get a free lunch today. You weren't quite expecting God to speak to your heart. You see, Jesus came to die, even from his birth. It makes sense, you know, when you think about what the wise men or the magi brought to Jesus as well. I mean, what did they bring? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. One little boy said gold, Frankenstein, and Myrtle, right? That's not right. But each of those gifts symbolizes something. And so myrrh is very significant. Myrrh was used to bury dead bodies. So it was basically a perfume for dead bodies. And, and so a gift like this to baby Jesus was signifying that he is here to die. He's here to die, but he's also here to save. And that's why as he is buried in the tomb, three days later, he is resurrected. And so he defeats sin, he defeats death, he dies to save us, and he is resurrected to bring us peace. And so that's my second point today, that Jesus came to bring you peace. And when you think about peace, one, there's two areas that God brings us peace in. And the first is, and f- foremost, is peace with God. Now, if you're in a relationship with somebody, you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend, or maybe you're married, when you're in conflict with that person, it robs you of your peace, doesn't it? I mean, when you have, you know, an argument or a fight, the next day you're not talking, you're giving each other the cold shoulder, you're sleeping on other sides of the bed, you know, and, and you're kind of going through that routine and, and nothing is peaceful in your home until that relationship is restored. Well, in the same way, because of our sin, we've been separated from God. We're at odds with God. We're enemies of God. We're in rebellion against God. And because of that, our relationship with him is at odds. And so there's no peace between us and God until that relationship is restored. And so it's, in, it's so vitally important that we understand part of what Jesus came to do is to restore us in that relationship. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5 says, God sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. Now, why do we need this? Well, we need this because if we're not following God's way, if we're not following Jesus, then we are setting ourselves up to do it our way. And we're essentially saying, God, I, I, okay, you might exist and you might be out there, but, but I got this under control. I'm not going to go your way, God. I'm going to go my way. I know you've got some things that you probably want me to do and you've got some rules and whatever about life, but I don't care about what you say, God. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Therefore, we make ourselves out to be God's ourselves. And that relationship is destroyed. It's called sin. And we're in rebellion against our creator because of that sin. And so we feel disconnected from God. We feel like God is a million miles away. Some of you walk in here and you're like, God, Jesus, I don't even, I don't even feel anything. I don't even get it, Trent. It's like it doesn't even make sense to me. And in and, 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 and large part today, it's because of your sin. 
It's because your sin has separated you from this, God, and, and you're never gonna restore that relationship with him by coming to church or by giving money away or being a nice person. The Bible actually calls you an enemy of God. Let me read Romans 5.1. It says, since we are made right with God by faith in Christ, we have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. And so it's very clearly saying that the only way that we can have peace with God is through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.10 says, even though we were his enemies, God made peace with us because his son died for our sins. Now that we're at peace with God, we'll be saved for eternity by his son's life. You see, peace with God isn't something, you know, it's not something that you can do on your own. You have to recognize that peace with God only comes from something that Jesus already did. And it's by understanding him and by giving our life to him that he then gives us the peace of God. Now, a lot of religions do what they call a peace offering. So Native American religion and and even, um, you know, back in, in, the, in the Greek days when, when uh, their pagan religion was popular, like, like they, they would bring a peace offering to God. But the great thing about Jesus and, and the great thing about Christianity is that God already brought a peace offering to us. He's already provided that. It's the greatest Christmas present you'll ever unwrap. It's the greatest experience that you'll ever experience in life. Jesus will allow you to have peace with God if you receive him by faith today. Jesus will also provide peace for yourself, like peace within your own heart, peace of mind. I mean, that's a, that's a huge part of the human experience because we're all chasing and, and wanting peace in our life. We want peace of mind. We want peace in our heart. And the Bible has a word for peace. You've heard this before. It's the Hebrew word shalom. But it means more than just the absence of conflict. It means a serenity. It means a wholeness. It means a blessing. And it means happiness. And, and so there's, a, there, there's not really one word that explains what the Hebrew word actually means. But, but when we receive Christ into our life, he gives us this peace that transcends all understanding. And when I have peace with God, then I get the peace of God. You know, in our own life, you know, we have so many struggles. We have so much pain. And what's awesome about the scripture is that there are over 790 verses that talk about the peace of God. So for every problem, every pain, every struggle you and I face, there's a corresponding verse about God's peace and how he can bring and wants to bring us peace. And so if you have a broken heart, God will give you a comforting peace. For those of you that are experiencing a confused heart, he gives us a guiding peace. For those that are experiencing a shamed heart, he gives us a forgiving peace. And for those with a worried heart, God provides confident peace. You see, every one of us walk into the room on equal playing ground, just like the door of humility. We're broken. Our hearts have been broken There are so many things in our life that have been shattered. Some of us walk in confused, filled with shame. But we walk into this room and we experience the presence of God and we experience that his presence changes everything. And I'm hoping that today that God gives you a moment 
of clarity in this service, to clear up some myths, to clear up you know, some of the cobwebs in your head as to what Jesus really wants from you or what Jesus really came to do. Because it's in this moment of clarity that life transformation happens, where you see God for who he really is, not who you thought he was, not what your experience taught you that you think he should be or, or would be, but you see him for who he truly is, a God who stands with his arms open wide, ready to receive you and love you and show you unconditional love and forgiveness. In a moment of clarity, you see yourself for who you really are. Your parents told you you were special and everybody wanted to hear what you had to say. But the scripture tells us that before faith in Christ, we're enemies of God. And because of our sin, we're separated from a relationship with him. You see, a moment of clarity transforms everything. You say, you know what, I get it. I understand who he is. I understand who I am. And, and, and it's in that moment of clarity that we say, okay, God loves me. I'm a sinner. I need his forgiveness and, and I need peace with God. Here's the problem. Until you have that moment of clarity, you never understand what God's peace really truly feels like. In fact, you can live your entire life without God's peace and feel like your life is normal. You can go through life experiencing all that stress, all that heartache, all that emptiness, all that anxiety, all that fear, and you can actually think that, well, it's normal. Everybody has to experience this, right? No. With the peace of God, we do not. God has made a way for us. We've all seen people who deal with loss or deal with death or deal with sickness, and they're still positive, and they're still praising God, and, and their mentality is still energetic towards the things of God. And we think, how can they act like that? Friends, I'm telling you, the only way we can ever experience pain in this life and have a joy-filled life in the midst of pain and sorrow is because the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. And his peace transcends all understanding. Some of you today, I realize, walk into this place and you are hurting. You're broken the Christmas season brings out that pain every year. Maybe it's past memories. For some of you, maybe you're barely hanging on by a thread today. Here's what the words of Jesus say in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I will find, and you will find rest for your souls. It's so beautiful. Some of us walk into this room and we do not have rest for our soul. We're fearful. Anxiety is plaguing us. We've never received Jesus into our life. We've never given him control of our life. And, and you've done anything and everything to try to create peace in your own heart. It's why you chased after relationships and gave your body away. It's why you ran to prescription drugs or any kind of drug or alcohol to try to numb the pain of, of what you were experiencing in life. You tried to climb the ladder of success to try to earn more money or try to feel more important about who you were. 
But at the end of the day, no matter what drug, no matter what amount of success or how much money we make, nothing provides rest for our souls apart from the life transformation of Jesus Christ living within us. And some of you need that today. Some of you are having a moment of clarity and you're getting it. And some of you today are gonna step into this moment and say, yes, I need Jesus. This is exactly what I want. This is exactly what I need. And Jesus says, come exactly as you are. How many times have you heard people say, you know what, I've, I've done anything and everything, but you know what, I just gotta work on this. I gotta clean up my act before I actually come to church, before I actually get baptized. And it's like it doesn't work that way, does it? We come to Jesus as we are, broken. We walk through the door of humility just like we walk through the door at the Church of the Nativity and we say, Jesus, I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. I, I need you to change me. And so, so the, the reality is there's no sin too big today. There's no sin he won't forgive. When you turn from your sin and you turn towards him, he'll hear your prayer. He'll forgive you of your sin and he'll make you brand new today. The old is gone. The new is here. And some of you walked in without him, but today you're going to receive him and go home and celebrate Christmas in a fresh and brand new way. I want to ask you guys to bow your heads because I know in this moment there are many of you who are like, Trent, that's me. Trent, I'm, I'm having a moment of clarity. God has spoken to me and I believe that right now in this place I need to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I just wonder in this room, if there's somebody here that would say, Trent, that is me today. But today, I'm ready to do something about it. I'm ready to take that step of faith and say yes to Jesus. With everyone else bowing their heads and praying to God right now, I would ask that those who would say, Trent, I want to receive Jesus today. I would ask that you would look straight up here at me today. No one else but those folks that want to do that. And I'm going to scan the room. Is there anyone that would say, Trent, that is me, and I would like to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior? Anyone at all? I'm looking. I see one. I see you. Anybody else? Sir? I see you, sir. Anyone else say, today, Trent, I'm ready to receive him, receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Anyone else looking at me? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to lead you in a prayer for those of you that want to make this decision. And I believe that the scripture teaches us that when we, when, when we have this moment of clarity that God saves us, and this prayer is a recognition of that salvation and after you pray this prayer, I'm going to encourage you to come forward and I'm going to encourage you to, to follow Christ in baptism. Jesus says to make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus himself was baptized. And so we're going to, in the New Testament, we see it over and over again. People receive Christ, they get baptized right then. And so we want to provide that opportunity for you. Others of you, maybe you've already received Christ, but you've never been baptized and for whatever reasons you've been holding back, you've been struggling with that. And what better time to do that 
then right here, Jesus, the Bible says today is the, the day of salvation. Today is the best day to make a decision to walk closer with Christ. So for those that would say, I want to receive Christ today, I just simply want you to pray this prayer to Christ. Just bow your head. Say this prayer to God. Pretend like it's just between, uh, pretend like it, 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 no one else is in the room and this is just between you and God. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you died for me and rose again so that I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I can love you and live for you. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. Thank you, Jesus, for new life. Now with heads bowed, I believe if you prayed that prayer, the Holy Spirit of God is now flooding your soul and he's changing you. And the journey of following him will continue for the rest of your life. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.